Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to 60 Minutes ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year, with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. California is burning, on track for its worst year ever. Drought parched forests are burning so hot they generate their own fire tornadoes. Look at that. These fires get so large that there aren't enough firefighters, there aren't enough airplanes, helicopters, bulldozers. And 60 Minutes found out there's also more than a whiff of bureaucracy in the smoke-filled air, which seemed to slow the deployment of new high-tech nighttime aircraft during the height of the emergency. Speaker Nancy Pelosi asked you to join the January 6th panel, and who would have thought the conservative Liz Cheney from Wyoming, Nancy Pelosi, the California, San Francisco liberal, being on the same team, fighting on the same team? We know all of us are Americans, and we all have sworn the same oath uh, to the Constitution. And you cannot let an attack like the one that happened on January 6th go uninvestigated. Imagine launching yourself hundreds of feet deep into the sea with little more than a mask, a heavy dose of bravery, and one deep breath. Welcome to Dean's Blue Hole. This is the king of the sport known as free diving. And tonight, we will follow him 39 stories deep as he holds a single breath for nearly five minutes. Touchdown. I'm Leslie Stahl. I'm Bill Whitaker. I'm Anderson Cooper. I'm Sharon Alfonsi. I'm John Wertheim. I'm Scott Pelley. Those stories and more tonight on 60 Minutes. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. 
fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. California is burning, on track for the most savage fire year in its history. Drought and scorching temperatures have turbocharged fires that are more extreme than ever. Two of the biggest fires in state history have laid siege to more than a million acres in Northern California, burning dangerously close to Lake Tahoe. Firefighters haven't had a day off in months. Fire chiefs warned there aren't enough aircraft to go around. It's a war, one told us. Now, fire chiefs from Southern California have stolen a page from the military. Take the fight to the night. A new fleet of high-tech helicopters will fight wildfires 24-7. And for the first time, the giant Chinook, you've seen them in other war zones, will lead the night assault. It's an $18 million pilot program the fire chiefs hope will be a game-changer. The U.S. Forest Service was already short-staffed when the Caldor Fire exploded last month, churning towards South Lake Tahoe. Thousands of residents were forced to flee. To the north, the Dixie Fire has been rampaging for months, demolishing historic gold rush towns. The drought-parched forests burn so hot, they generate their own fire tornadoes. Look at that. Between the two infernos, more than 8,000 bone-weary firefighters have been waging a relentless battle. Orange County Fire Chief Brian Fennessy, a former hotshot who's been fighting fires in Southern California for 44 years, told us there is no more give in the system. These fires get so large that there aren't enough firefighters, there aren't enough airplanes, helicopters, bulldozers. I would think that would be worrisome. You know, we're to the point where if we were to send much more, we are going to have firehouses that are empty. And for the people that we've sworn to serve, you know, our taxpayers, it's not acceptable to have firehouses empty for any length of time. Everything is stretched to the limit. Everything is stretched. Your suppression power is... We met Brian Fennessy at the Truckee Airfield, about 45 miles from the fires. After Caldor destroyed the town of Grizzly Flats, Fennessy volunteered to send his new firefighting choppers north. More like flying computers with rotors on top, they're called the Quick Reaction Force. Fennessy calls the fleet the hammer. This is the hammer. So if someone calls 911, out. you hit it with everything you've got, these big guys, and knock it out. In case of fire, break glass. The star of the show is the massive Chinook. This one used to fly in Afghanistan for the U.S. Army. 
it's been retrofitted to fight a different war, dropping water or retardant. Now, Fennessy told us they have this powerful new tool to take that fight to the night. The ability to lay retardant line to continue to drop fire retardant after sundown, that's a first. That's going to change the way you fight fires. We hope so. The Chinook can drop 3,000 gallons. That's about 10 times what most firefighting choppers drop. No bigger helicopter has ever fought fires at night. They work hard. Wayne Coulson, the CEO of Coulson Aviation, which built the fleet, is a pioneer in night firefighting. He showed us the specially designed tank. Computers control the tank's doors, opening at precise GPS points. You can zero in exactly on the spot you want to drop. We can fly the aircraft to those GPS points, and the doors will automatically open and close between those two points. Colson told us it's a more surgical strike. Flame retardant can be dropped in almost straight lines. At night, there's an added advantage. The fire usually dies down. Is that a better time to hit the fire? It absolutely is. That's when it's its weakest? Usually it's weakest. That's the time to attack an enemy at its weakest point in time. The quick reaction force works in pairs. The Chinook gets its orders from this aircraft. Think of it as a traffic control tower, but in the air. Wearing night vision goggles, Orange County Air Attack Officer Joel Lane uses infrared cameras to see through the smoke to map the best targets for the Chinook. It's a no-go for anything on the east side. We're turning around now. Okay, copy that. Lane has spent the last 23 years in the air. Improved night vision technology has revived night firefighting. Most agencies halted night flying after a mid-air collision in the 1970s. Lane told us the technology means they can attack fires at any hour. If you time a fire, let's say for one minute and it's two acres, in two minutes it's not going to be four, it's going to be nine. And in three minutes, it's going to be 27. And the fire is going faster. And the only thing that stops that is speed and force. And that's what you get with the aircraft. That is exactly what you get with the aircraft. In early September, we flew with Britt Colson, Wayne's son and tech wizard at Colson Aviation. He turned on the powerful thermal imaging camera, and the Caldor fire burst into view. Those flames are higher than the trees. As we flew closer, we watched a fountain of flames exploding over the treetops. There was fire everywhere, every point of light a potentially hellish new blaze. The embers that come up when it's really intense, they're going to spot out far ahead. Zooming in, Britt Colson showed us a spot fire that had leapt over a containment line dug by firefighters. So let's say if they were trying to catch it along that ridge line there. This has already jumped over. It's jumped over. Without this type of technology, they're never going to see that. We circled the fires at 13,000 feet. Below us, we spotted the command helicopter with Joel Lane. A thousand feet below that is where the Chinook flies. Lane directs the big chopper to the drop zone. From our perch, we could almost count the trees as we flew over a blackened landscape. Then we saw boats, docks, and houses. South Lake Tahoe. That's South Lake Tahoe Airport right there. And then you got the fire right there. Right behind you. So there you've got all the individual embers coming up. That's burning heavily. Yeah. 
The Chinook sweeps across the flames. Start drop. I can see the wet rock down here. I mean, we're getting water down on it. Drops its water, then heads to the nearest lake to refill. Unlike fixed wing craft that have to return to base, the Chinook can refill anywhere. Hovering like some prehistoric bird, it sucks up 3,000 gallons in 90 seconds. This doesn't come cheap. A helitanker can cost up to $15 million and $8,000 an hour to operate. But Joel Lane told us it's money well spent. I got you. He told us about the tuna fire, which ignited in dry brush near Malibu in July. It was promptly doused by a quick reaction Chinook at a cost of several hundred thousand dollars, a fraction of what it would have cost if the fire had gotten out of control. If you never heard of the tuna fire, says Lane, that's a win. So the 10-acre fire that, you, that we catch 98% of the time, it's never going to make the paper, you're never going to hear about it. Public wakes up the next day and they, unless they drive by it, they never know what happened. And we do that very successfully, especially in Southern California. The finances that you're laying out, that yes, it's expensive to have these aircraft, but it's more expensive if you don't catch the fire. Exponentially. Exponentially more expensive. Correct. In Northern California, the Dixie Fire is now the largest single fire in state history. Exhausted firefighters are still fighting the Caldor Fire. The cost? More than a half billion dollars and climbing. Yet during our trip, the helitankers flew only one out of four nights. We wondered why. So did Orange County Fire Chief Brian Fennessy, who had sent his best equipment to fight the state's worst fires. Did they not put it to work as soon as you brought it up here? Not, not initially, no. Why not? It took a lot of, they didn't have any uh, familiarization with, you know, flying at night. And so but it's we had proven. to slow down. And we're in the middle of chaos and uncertainty and homes are burning. That doesn't work. In the week we were there, the Caldor fire grew by 40,000 acres. Perhaps as alarming, we discovered the slowdown was fueled in part by infighting between the U.S. Forest Service, which oversees federal lands, and Cal Fire, responsible for state forests. Chief Fennessy told us he twice offered up his new fleet and twice met with discord and confusion. Yeah, and onto our go no go checklist. We saw the Forest Service sign off on decisions only to have them changed by Cal Fire. Firefighters told us the agencies disagreed about night missions, radio frequencies, how to feed firefighters. They both challenged the credentials of the Orange County flight crews. That doesn't seem like the most efficient way to handle the resources, especially in the face of a huge fire. Extremely frustrating. We have a system, the fire service, where we honor each other's qualifications. Yeah, it is frustrating because, you know, when there's a delay in accepting these qualifications to the detriment of the public, yeah, that's a concern. When Chief Fennessy first sent his choppers, two crews sat on the tarmac for 48 hours. Fed up, he protested in an email, which we obtained through a Freedom of Information request. I don't think the public will understand this nonsense, he wrote, especially if our crews are grounded and there are no aviation safety issues to address. Cal Fire told us the crew check was a standard safety procedure and that smoke and wind prevented flying some nights. Chief Fennessy told us only when he threatened to take his choppers back south did the agencies give the green light to fly. 
Still, Brian Fennessy and two other Southern California fire chiefs were so dismayed the fleet was being used so little, they complained in an email to the Forest Service, quote, there was ample opportunity for the safe, consistent operation of the quick reaction force, both during the day and at night. But this did not occur. Well, I have an expectation that if I'm going to loan you, you know, my stuff because you're having an emergency, you're going to put it to work. If you're not going to put it to work, send it home because I've got work and I've got citizens here to protect. We're going to go to work. Fennessy told us the intensity of these fires demands a new approach to fighting them. I'd heard from agencies at the highest level that there was not a concern for aviation safety. It was more of a concern for... Bureaucracy. You said it. The fires are changing. Fires are changing. The we've climate be, is changing. Oh, we, we've got to be more nimble. We've got to be able to pivot very quickly. Fires aren't going to wait for you to get your act together. No, they're not. We repeatedly asked CAL FIRE and the Forest Service why the night flying choppers weren't used more. Weeks later, they did get together to issue a joint statement about their, quote, shared mission. They wrote, each fire presents its own unique challenges, and fire managers stand shoulder to shoulder every day to overcome these hurdles. The day after we left, Chief Fennessy took his quick reaction force back south, where the Santa Ana winds and the number of fires are picking up. Fennessy told us, with fires getting more extreme, Cal Fire and the Forest Service can't afford to sideline the big hammer. These aircraft are being credited with saving countless property because they're available at night to do that. And you've proven it. You've proven it. It's a program that I believe needs to expand not just to Northern California, but throughout the West. What's the resistance? Why the resistance? You know, my gut tells me, based on decades of experience in the fire service, that there's just an inherent resistance to change. But we've got to evolve. We've got to pivot. We are standing, you know, in a new world. It's not a new norm. It's the norm. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. This past week, the House Select Committee investigating the January 6th attack on the Capitol shifted into a higher gear. On Thursday, it subpoenaed four of former President Donald Trump's top advisors, including his chief of staff, for documents and depositions about the former president's actions on the day of the siege and days leading up to it. At the center of the Select Committee's probe is Wyoming Representative Liz Cheney. Like a lone ranger riding out of the West, she's one of the few Republicans willing to, daring to stand up to Mr. Trump 
and House Republican leaders who opposed her joining the committee. When we spoke to Congresswoman Cheney at the Capitol on Wednesday, we asked about a call she got from House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. She uh, called me and uh, asked me to be a member of the committee, and I accepted. Right away? Right away. No hesitation? None. Um, because it's so important, and, and because I also know that, that my participation in the committee makes that committee bipartisan, no one will question you know, my conservative credentials. But most Republicans in the House see what you're doing as a betrayal. They look at Nancy Pelosi. Even you have said, you said this, I've got a quote here. Uh, you said, the Democrats under Nancy Pelosi's leadership have become the party of anti-Semitism, infanticide, and socialism. Direct quote from you. And yet here you are. It's considered Nancy Pelosi's committee. Look, I, I think that millions of people around the country have been betrayed and misled uh, and deceived by Donald Trump. Um, he has said that the election was stolen. He continues to say that. He continues to say things that aren't true and continues to raise money off of those claims. And so, to me, there's just not a question. She's one of only two Republicans on the nine-member committee and a prominent face of it since she was elevated to vice chair. We must also know what happened every minute of that day in the White House. Republicans in Congress feel that by joining this January 6th panel, uh, you are helping to keep the focus on Trump instead of on the shortcomings of the Biden administration. Those who think that by ignoring Trump, um, we, he will go away, have been proven wrong. And in my view, the American people, they deserve better than having to choose between what I think are the really disastrous policies of Joe Biden in a whole range of areas, really bad for our economy. Um, from a national security perspective, what's happened, what he's done in Afghanistan, very dangerous policies for the country. But the alternative cannot be a man who doesn't believe in the rule of law and who violated his oath of office. Her unabashed defiance of Donald Trump has him fighting back. The Liz Cheney's of the world, we got to get rid of them. He singled her out at his rally on January 6th and later said she's a warmongering fool and a horrible human being. He's made defeating her next year in her re-election in Wyoming one of his top priorities. She's risking her political career. Most Republicans we've spoken to feel that uh, you miscalculated, that you didn't figure out ahead of time that it was going to be this intense, this hot, this perpetual. You know, it wasn't a calculation. You didn't weigh and measure? No. There wasn't a yellow pad with the pros and the cons? And no. It was, this is what, what he has done. I watched while the attack was underway, understood very clearly what he did on January 6th, what he failed to do on January 6th. Instead of stopping the attack while it was underway, he was busy calling up senators, trying to get them to delay the count. So there was no calculation. I think he's very dangerous. Here in Wyoming, Liz Cheney, at 55, is having to fight like hell to win her fourth term as Mr. Trump endorsed one of her opponents, Harriet Hageman, a longtime Cheney supporter and family friend. 
the Republican Party here has disowned you. They've called for your resignation. We've been told your approval rating here is down around 30%. Can you win this seat? Absolutely. I think it's going to be the most important House race in the country uh, in uh, 2022. And, and it will be one where people do have the opportunity to say, we want to stand for the Constitution. Do you think a vote against you is a vote against the Constitution? A vote against me in this race, a vote for whomever Donald Trump has endorsed, um, is a vote for somebody who's willing to perpetuate the big lie, somebody who's willing to put allegiance to Trump above allegiance to the Constitution, absolutely. Being in trouble in Wyoming is almost unfathomable for a Cheney. Help to ensure that the voice of Wyoming is heard in Washington. Despite criticism of her father, Dick Cheney's tenure as vice president, when he pressed the case for the broadly discredited war in Iraq and harsh interrogation techniques, he's been long admired here, having been Wyoming's congressman for 10 years. Did you go to your father and ask for his advice on this, and did he encourage you to wage this rebellion? Well, I talk to my dad probably just about every single day, and he sees things the way that I see them. She was exposed to the highest levels of power in Washington when her father was President Ford's chief of staff. But she says her roots are in Wyoming, where the cowboy ethic of the maverick loner runs deep. She's been called steely and as emotional as algebra. <laughs> But she softens up when she talks about her family. I miss these years with their little babies. <laughs> Most people don't know that she's been married for 29 years and is the mother of five children, ranging in age from 15 to 27. As they grew up, she became a rodeo mom. One is a rodeo barrel Gracie racer. is, that's wow. right. She gave me the phrase cowgirl up, which Ooh. is, you know... <laughs> If things are, things are rough, you got to cowgirl up and, and keep going. She's having to cowgirl up a lot in Washington. In May, her fellow Republicans stripped her of her leadership position in the House, and she began denouncing Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy in scathing and personal terms. What he's done is embrace Donald Trump. And if I were doing what he's doing, I, I would be deeply ashamed of myself. I don't know how you explain that to your children. When you are in a situation where you have somebody who did what Donald Trump did, it is absolutely clear he cannot continue to be somebody you embrace. But are you saying you can't support anybody who supports him? I'm saying that there are people who supported Donald Trump because of his policies. But there's a difference between somebody who voted for Donald Trump and being the Republican leader after an insurrection and setting all of that aside and going to Mar-a-Lago and, and rehabilitating him, bringing him back in. That, to me, is unforgivable. Once she began assailing Donald Trump and Republicans who support him, a record amount of money has poured into her campaign. Some of it, we're told, from Democrats. You have become, in a way, a hero to the liberals, which is kind of funny because, as you say yourself, you're one of the most conservative members of the House. You're anti-abortion. I'm, yeah, I'm pro-life, yes. You're pro-life. Yes. You're pro-gun rights. And you voted to repeal Obamacare. Do you regret yes. that vote? I do not, no. Waterboarding, a.k.a. torture, 
Well, it's not torture. But you support waterboarding. I do, absolutely. And then there's her long-held opposition to same-sex marriage, which prompted a bitter falling out with her sister, Mary. Your sister's gay, she's married, she has children, and in 2013, you came out against same-sex marriage while your father went the other way. And it was looked upon as courageous when he did that. How do you defend what you did? I was wrong. Um, I was wrong. Uh, I love my sister very much. Uh, I uh, uh, love uh, her family very much. Uh, and, uh, and, and I was wrong. It's a, it's a very personal issue uh, and very personal for my family. I uh, believe that my dad was right. And my sister and I have had that conversation. Wow. I was not expecting that. You know, this, this is an issue that um, we have to recognize, uh, you know, as, as human beings, that we need to work against discrimination uh, of all kinds uh, in our country, in our state. We were at, at an event a few nights ago, and, and uh, there was a young uh, woman who said she doesn't feel safe uh, sometimes uh, because she's transgender, and nobody should feel unsafe. Freedom means freedom for everybody. Okay, so then we'll do those. Her change of heart is a rare break for her from traditional party orthodoxy. Once Donald Trump became the Republican nominee for president in 2016, she supported him. You stuck with him through the Hollywood access tape, through his insults on John McCain, um, through his bullying tweets. I supported Donald Trump's policies. I voted with him something like 93% of the time because his policies uh, were, were the right ones in many ways. When I disagreed with him, I spoke out, but... but on not on, not on character. On the issues that mattered for Wyoming, um, I stood with him. You know, you can say you disagree with him, you think that his character was bad, which it was, um, all of those things, uh, but the line that can't be crossed is what happened after the election. It's not that Liz Cheney doesn't have any Republican support. Former President George W. Bush is holding a fundraiser for her, and Senators Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham have sent in donations from their political action committees. But most Republicans in office have shied away. Have members of Congress, Republicans, come up to you privately and whispered in your ear, way to go, Liz, and encouraged you, but won't come forward and say that publicly? Yes. A lot? Yes. Both in the House and the Senate. I mean, if they really think what you're doing is right, and they admire it, and they encourage it, and they won't do it, what is that? The argument that, that you often hear is that if you do something that's perceived as against Trump, um, that, you know, you'll put yourself in political peril. and. That's a self-fulfilling prophecy, because if Republican leaders don't stand up and condemn what happened, then the voices in the party that are so dangerous will only get louder and stronger. Polls say that 78% of Republicans do not think that Joe Biden was legitimately elected. And I wonder, how do you fight an untruth? How do you stand up to the anti-vaxxers? How do you stand up to QAnon? 
How do you stand up to a president who says the election and falsely that the election was rigged? When you look at the, the spread of these mistruths and the spread of the disinformation, you know, silence enables it. Silence enables the liar. And silence helps it to spread. So the first thing you have to do is say, no, I'm not going to accept that we're going to live in a post-truth world. It's a toxin, Leslie, in, in, our, in our political bloodstream. Because when we allow that to continue to go on in the face of rulings of the courts, in the face of recounts, in the face of everything that's gone on to demonstrate that there was not fraud that would have changed the outcome, then we all, if we do that, we are contributing to the undermining of our system. And it's a really serious and dangerous moment because of that. If you've never heard of free diving, imagine this. Launching yourself hundreds of feet into the sea with little more than a mask, a heavy dose of bravery, and one deep breath. Spear fishermen and pearl divers have been free diving for thousands of years, but a growing number of people are now doing it for sport. There are hundreds of competitions around the world with athletes testing their limits and good sense by diving as deeply as they can without scuba gear. You may remember our Bob Simon gave us a first glimpse into that world about eight years ago. But now there is one man who is dominating the sport, 34-year-old Russian freediver Alexei Molchanov. He is known within the diving community as the machine, the undisputed king of the deep. Off the turquoise coast of Long Island in the Bahamas, you'll see Dean's Blue Hole. From overhead, it looks like an inkwell. 663 feet deep, it is the perfect place for dozens of the world's elite freedivers to try and rewrite the sport's history. This is the annual Vertical Blue competition. We went there to meet Alexei Molchanov. To watch him glide through the water is to glimpse something otherworldly. He looks part golden Poseidon, part porpoise, kicking from the sparkling blue water into the dark. Molchanov can dive more than 39 stories deep while holding a single breath for nearly five minutes. It doesn't seem like a good idea to dive that deep and to hold your breath that long. Right. <laughs> for me, it does. <laughs> it does. Yeah. I enjoy finding new boundaries and pushing, a bit, pushing them further because I know I can. I know through all these years and like thousands of hours of training and diving, how well I can use my oxygen, how slow I can use it, and how efficient is my technique. What does it feel like? It feels very much like flying, actually. Very much like freedom, just pure joy of flying, like staying and feeling no urge to breathe. But you're enjoying it. Yeah, yeah, it's like without joy, it doesn't work. We were given the sports equivalent of a sideline pass. Our photographers circled beneath the surface as freedivers tested themselves in four disciplines, with or without fins, with or without the use of a rope to pull them down. Going into this year's competition, Molchanov held the world record in three of the four disciplines and wanted to break them all. 
We watched as he prepared for his most ambitious dive attempt, 430 feet, more than the length of a football field. Three, two, one, half time. With judges looking on, he takes in his final breaths. He looks like a goldfish desperate for water. He's packing his lungs with air, then slips beneath the water's surface, his whale-like monofin helping him fight buoyancy. Alexei Melchinov, Russia, constant weight, 131 meters. Dive time is 4.10, world record attempt. At around 65 feet, he drops his arms to his side and enters free fall. His lungs are now a third of their surface size, and he starts to sink. He's clipped to a dive line that can yank him back to safety. Once he reaches his designated depth, he grabs a tag to prove he's gone the distance. Touchdown. He's already been underwater for almost two and a half minutes. Then he begins the most dangerous part of the dive. With his last reserves of air and his lungs now a tenth of their normal size, he transfers air between his mouth and sinuses, equalizing the pressure in his body to prevent his ears from rupturing, and makes his way slowly towards the light. A team of safety divers circling along the way. But that's not it. He then has to prove he's alert, not disoriented by the water's crushing pressure, by giving the OK sign within 20 seconds of surfacing and then presenting his tag. If he's unable to do this in this order, the dive is disqualified. Molchanov does it, diving 430 feet for 4 minutes and 33 seconds, setting a new world record with a single breath. In freediving, during the dive, uh, it's very important to be zen, it's very important to be relaxed and not to think about the goal, how far deep you want to go, because that will damage your mind state and the current state where you need to stay, to be very focused, very still and relaxed. People think of freediving as this very extreme sport. How dangerous is the sport of freediving? The most dangerous side of freediving, I would say, is if you would go out to the sea and freedive alone, then that's very dangerous because there is a risk of blacking out underwater. Blackouts happen when divers push their limits too far and oxygen reserves are drained a fate that claims the lives of about 60 recreational freedivers each year. That's something the world of competitive freediving has worked hard to prevent by adding safety divers, underwater monitoring, and doctors at every event. There's only been one death during a competition in the last 20 years. Have you ever had a blackout? I had. When I was a beginner freediver, I would be very stubborn and I would push it to the end. I wouldn't listen to the signals my body gives to me. And uh, now I would have much better awareness of what's going on. When I was sitting out there watching you guys dive and I was watching the competitors, a lot of them would come up. They would gasp for air. And you emerged from the water and you smiled. I think that's an essence of being able to do really deep dives and records. Like, it's very hard to do those deep dives being stressed. It would look from outside that it's really easy, but it's not. Of course, like, 
by the time I finish my dive, it's hard. My muscles are tired. They're heavy. They're sometimes burning. Muscles will be burning, and like I, I will feel that. But still, I surface and I train this positive mindset. So I like, do a couple of recovery breaths, and then just this difference between a few seconds before and now, like when I got those couple of breaths, is so big. Uh, that it just gives so much joy. <laughs> Alexei Molchanov's famously easy temperament is how the machine earned his other nickname, the Golden Retriever. All right. What's it like to compete against him? For me, it's like a dream. All the time he's laughing or smiling. All the time he enjoys the life. And it's beautiful. Arnaud Giral and Camilla Jaber are friends and competitors with Molchanov. Jaber holds a national record for Mexico. And Giral has French records to his name. What makes him so good? That is a very good question. I think it's uh, experience. He has a very, like, sportsman mindset. So this confidence in himself, in his training, on what he believes, on, the, on growing the sport, he's also encouraging and pushing other athletes to become better. 25-year-old Giral is one of the only divers to have beaten one of Molchanov's records. Do you push each other, do you think? Yeah, we push it. Not too much because I'm less competitive to him. Like, I'm, I prefer, I'm more romantic to Alexei. <laughs> He's more competitive, you are more French. Exactly. <laughs> only a Russian might think this was a good idea. Last year, Alexei Molchanov swam beneath a frozen quarry outside of Moscow. Holes were cut in the ice in case he needed to surface. But he held his breath for nearly three minutes, swimming nearly 600 feet across. This past spring, he stepped into the ice in Siberia for a swim. It was 14 degrees outside when he broke another world record, the deepest dive under ice with fins. On a single breath, Molchanov swam to 262 feet deep in 37-degree water. Wow. That does not sound joyful to me. <laughs> that was not, it wasn't as joyful as here, for sure. And does the cold add additional stresses to your body? It does. It makes the face numb and it just you lose heat very fast and makes, it gives you a very short period of time when, you, uh, when like, I was able to dive. And I need to focus fast. Molchanov gets dive ready on land. He does daily stretches and deep breathing exercises, something he calls lung gymnastics, to build diaphragm, rib, and back mobility. I would just demonstrate. It is inhale, full inhale, and then it's relaxation. And there is this portion in the neck and in the mouth which I, which I just grab and then I push it in the box. Researchers who studied Molchanov and the impact of free diving on his body estimate he takes in two gallons of air before a dive. It's a technique he learned from his mother, Natalia Molchanova, considered the greatest free diver of all time. She came to the sport at 40 years old after a successful swimming career in Russia. She was my coach in swimming, and I was following her trainings, would go together to the pool, she would do her training, I would do my training. So that, this transition to freediving and me following her as a freediver coach, 
that was very natural. She started to be like best very, very fast. And uh, I, yeah, I was proud. I was very proud of her. What did she teach you about the sport? The main thing that she taught me about freediving is that I should enjoy it. It's not about records. Numbers come later. Together, they took on the freediving world and commanded it. Alexei achieved his first world record at 21. By the age of 53, his mother Natalia held 42 world records and 24 gold medals. In 2015, she was teaching a freediving lesson off the coast of Spain when she disappeared. Her body was never found. At that point, you kept freediving. No one would have blamed you if you said, you know what, I'm done. Why'd you keep going? I felt that freediving is actually the, the best thing for me to do. It was the best therapy, being in the water and really? being, yeah, yeah. I, because it, it, it just helped to be like in peace and helped to be uh, like, uh, to just live through that. Molchanov seems most at peace underwater, chasing whales, not records. And on land with his new son and wife Elena, a former Olympic swimmer. The family is expanding the freediving schools his mother started, certifying hundreds of instructors in 20 countries. And as the sport grows, Alexei Molchanov seems confident about his place in it. At 34, he holds two dozen world records. You don't think you've reached your limit to freedive as deeply as you could? No, no, I don't think that. I know I, with all the skills I have, with all the mind control I have, I can go deeper. So because I, I can, then I will. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery Starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. 60 Minutes, 54th season. It's not a particularly significant anniversary, but after nearly two years of COVID, impeachment trials, elections, travel restrictions, and remote interviews, this marks the beginning of our return to normal, to taking you where you've never been, showing you what you've never seen, investigating the concealed, and celebrating the extraordinary. For instance, in the coming weeks on 60 Minutes, Anderson Cooper examines the bond between two legendary performers, Tony Bennett and Lady Gaga. Stay one away. That's why the lady is a trap. I'm Leslie Stahl. We'll be back next week with another edition of 60 Minutes.
If you like 60 Minutes, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Don't miss true crime anytime you want, anywhere you go. With the 48 Hours Podcast. Real crimes. Like a John Grisham novel come to life. Real lives. He pointed a gun to me and said, this is the day you die. And he shot me. Real justice. There's some questions that have to be asked and need to be answered. I'm an innocent man, and I hope the whole world can see it now. Catch the latest episodes of 48 Hours wherever you get your podcasts.